As we're making our way with, through and with various characters in the book of Genesis this summer, uh, today we focus on Sarah, and there are two uh, scripture readings, first from Genesis 18 and then from Genesis 21. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before the men, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where's your wife, Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord. At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, oh, oh, yes, you did laugh. Now, chapter 21. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac, laughter, to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Dear God, for the gift of laughter, we give you thanks. And let, through laughter of all kinds, us hear your word. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. 
There are between 500,000 and 700,000 words contained in the Bible, depending on how you count them. Yet the words laugh or laughter appear only 25 times. Maybe that's why people don't come to church. (laughs) Of these 25 appearances, five are associated with Sarah, the wife of Abraham, the mother of Isaac, the matriarch of God's people, Israel. You will remember that God calls Abraham and Sarah at ages 75 and 65, respectively, to leave the land in which they are settled, to go to a land that God will show them when they arrive at its borders, to become parents of a great nation of descendants yet to be born, and to receive a blessing from God through which God will bless All the nations of the world, land, descendants, blessed to be a blessing. At the time of their call, Sarah and Abraham have no children, and Sarah is assumed to be barren. Land and blessings can come without children, but descendants and nationhood require the birth of a child, the birth of an heir. Given the age of Abraham and Sarah and their history of infertility, God's promise seems to hang by a thread. Twenty-three years later, with neither land nor descendants in sight, God restates the promise to Abraham, who promptly falls on his face and laughs. Can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Can Sarah, who is 90, bear a child? This is the first instance of laughter in the Bible. The laughter of disbelief, the laughter of incredulity. In the same conversation, God then says to Abraham, You will name your son Isaac. The Hebrew word for Isaac and laughter have the same Root, you will name your son laughter. The second instance of laughter in the Bible. About a year later, three men show up outside Abraham and Sarah's tent in the desert. The couple scurry to provide food and water so that the men can have a welcome relief in the desert, not unlike the relief many uh, in our country are seeking at this very moment. At the conclusion of the feast they provide, Abraham and Sarah provide, one of the three men says to Abraham, where's your wife Sarah? She's over there in the tent. The man then says, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now Sarah is listening at the entrance of the tent, eavesdropping from behind the tent flap, and she laughs. To herself. But the man says, Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? The third appearance of laughter in the Bible. Four chapters and nine months later, Sarah conceives and bears a son. Abraham names him laughter. And Sarah says, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. The fourth and fifth appearances of laughter in the Bible. 
Now, even though these events unfold over 25 years, this has the makings of a feel-good story. A long, barren woman gives birth. Her child is the fulfillment of a long-awaited promise on the part of God. Through the birth of her child, she and her husband become matriarch and patriarch of God's people. God's promise of land, descendants, and blessing takes a huge step forward. It's a story with several opportunities for laughter. A story full of light and joy. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? But the arc of the story is not quite so linearly positive. In many ways, the story unfolds in a country, in a set of circumstances, which is no country for old women. No country for women of any age. Sarah's nephew, Lot, whose father has died young, lives and travels with Abraham and Sarah throughout this period. Both Lot and Abraham become prosperous on this journey to an unknown destination, so much so that the land has trouble holding the two of them. And they decide to divide in advance the land that God has promised. Later on, Abraham has to raise an army to rescue Lot from captivity to four kings in the east who have waged war and been threatened by their presence in the land. Soon thereafter, Lot and his children barely escape the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot loses his own wife when she looks back from their fleeing and becomes a pillar of salt. In the aftermath of this horrible destruction and rescue, Lot becomes drunk is seduced by his two daughters who fear there are no males left on the earth by which to carry the race forward. They then give birth to tribes that will become hostile to the line that comes from Abraham and Sarah. It is no country for old men, no country for old women. Sarah is not only Abraham's wife, but she is also his half-sister, something that was accepted at the time but later would be outlawed by Jewish law. Her status leads Abraham to suggest on one occasion and Sarah to suggest on another occasion that they present her to foreign rulers into whose territory they are traveling only as Abraham's sister, not as his wife. So that if she is taken by these despotic rulers into their harem, at least Abraham's life will not likely be threatened. If Abraham were to die before an heir is conceived, there would be no heir and the promise of God would remain unfulfilled. So twice Sarah endures the humiliation of being shared with men other than her husband. With the Bible remaining markedly discreet, unlike our children's sermon, on what actually may have happened to Sarah before the ruse is discovered. It is no country for women of any age. 
As the years pass and no child appears on the horizon, Sarah suggests that her husband Abraham father a child with her maid Hagar. Abraham obliges. When Hagar gives birth to Ishmael, the household contains one man, two women, one baby born to the woman, not married to the man. This arrangement lasts for 14 years. We can only imagine how thoroughly it did not work, the psychic harm it brought to all who lived in the home. Then Isaac is born. Isaac is born. And Sarah is able to exclaim, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. Yet even after the birth of Isaac, occasions for laughter are rare for Sarah. The household now includes one father, two women, two children who share the same father but not the same mother. Again, a laboratory for psychic tension. A few years into this arrangement, Sarah sees the two boys playing together out in the field. The Hebrew word for playing together is also laughter. Sarah flies into a rage and banishes Hagar and Ishmael from her home permanently. A banishment that Abraham mourns but accepts. A banishment from which God will soon rescue Ishmael and make him a great, though separate, nation. Thus originating the intractable division that we still see today between the children of Isaac And the children of Ishmael. In the next chapter when Isaac is approaching his teen years. Sarah awakens one day to find her husband and son missing. When they return it seeps out. That Abraham has come within seconds. Within seconds. Of sacrificing Isaac on the altar. In response to God's impervious command. From that point on, Abraham and Sarah live apart, she in Hebron, he in Beersheba. The Bible, in fact, records no further conversation between God and Abraham, between Abraham and Isaac, between Abraham and Sarah, nor between Sarah and Isaac. When later Sarah dies at age 127, Abraham arranges for her burial in a field he has bought for that occasion and in which 38 years later his body will be placed next to hers after his death. And several years after Sarah's death, Isaac prepares to marry a wonderful person named Rebecca. It is only when Isaac brings Rebecca into his late mother's tent that he is comforted after his mother's death and able to marry and love Rebecca. I've gone into all this incredible detail about Sarah's life not to overwhelm you with fast-moving facts that you must memorize, but to point out That when laughter comes from within Sarah, when laughter is shared with Sarah, when laughter surrounds Sarah, 
It is often laughter that is born in pain and uncertainty, in heartache and hardship, in waiting and in wonder. But no matter the circumstances, for Sarah there was laughter, always laughter, sometimes cynical, sometimes unbelieving, but sometimes raucous and joyful. God has brought laughter for me. Everyone, everyone, everyone who hears will laugh with me. Neither the trying circumstances of Sarah's laughter nor the healing balm it provides need to be limited to Sarah or to Old Testament times. Earlier this week, the author Salman Rushdie gave his first interview nearly a year after being stabbed on the stage of the Chautauqua Institution in New York as he was being introduced to give a speech. In his interview... The 76-year-old Rushdie was smiling, relaxed, talkative, despite the patch over his right eye, which he lost as a result of the attack. In response to a question from the BBC interviewer, Rushdie quoted his friend and fellow author, author Milan Kundera, who had died a few days earlier. Laughter is a way to deal with atrocity. Kundera had said, and Rushdie repeated. Ten years ago, during days of difficulty, my stepdaughter Hannah put her mother and I onto Charlie Chaplin, with whom she identified partially out of a shared name with Chaplin's mother, also Hannah. Chaplin grew up in poverty in London, He was abandoned by his alcoholic father. He lived in workhouses. And at age 14, he had to help commit his mother to what eventually would become her permanent home in what was known in those days as an insane asylum. Yet early on, Charlie Chaplin discovered the gift of laughter and its power for both healing and social criticism. Through the great dictator, he brought hope and resolve in the midst of the horrors of the 20th century. Though later he would face accusations as a communist sympathizer, Chaplin's comedy inspired both Churchill and Roosevelt, and he spoke at the latter's 1941 presidential inauguration. Charlie Chaplin once said, A day without laughter is a day wasted. The day after Christmas in 1973, my 43-year-old father received news that the hacking cough he had had since Thanksgiving was due to lung cancer. He started radiation immediately, but it did not progress well. After a few days home from the hospital, He needed to go back, and I was the one who took him. Walking to the elevator down the long corridors of Methodist Hospital in Memphis, he had to stop twice and lean against the wall for coughing fits. At age 18, I wasn't quite with it enough 
to ask for a wheelchair. When we finally got onto the elevator, it seemed to stop at every floor and add a passenger or two without subtracting any. The higher we went, the tighter we were all squeezed into the elevator. And there were several more floors to go. My dad lifted his head from his gray robe and he looked at me with an impish grin I had never seen before and I was never to see again. And he said, I'll bet I know how I could clear them out. (laughs) Six weeks later, he would be dead. But even to the end, there was laughter, laughter, laughter. Of Sarah, the ancient rabbis wrote, when our mother Sarah was remembered, many other barren women were remembered. Many sick people were healed. Many deaf people gained their hearing. Many blind people were given sight. Many madmen were cured of their madness. And an amnesty was granted to all the world. God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. Amen.